I don't miss the meetings about meetings about meetings. I had six head coaches in 14 years. Culturally, we were probably lost for a few years. The Red 78 with Alan Quinlan and Neve Briggs. Subscribe to the Rugby Channel on the OTB Sports app and turn on your notifications now. It's a very special OTBA this morning because we have a studio guest all the way from La Rochelle, the Hollywood lights of La Rochelle. Ron Regard, good morning to you. Ger, on great to be here. Uh, feels strange. Back, first time in two years, I think, back to Ireland. Right. So, um, yeah. Have, have we changed as a people? Are we more welcome, more open, or are we still the shower of bollocks? I haven't, <laughs> I haven't met anyone. I got in really late. I got up early, didn't cross anyone walking across the green. Okay, so, very good. Um, uh, excited to be here now for for uh, for this little segment and uh, get a day's work done and then uh, back to the my real job tonight. And the real job at the moment, is this a busy time of the year focused just on the upcoming games or are you already plotting and planning for next year? And So what's actually happening at the minute is they're kind of making up time during the Six Nations for the games that had uh, COVID issues earlier in the season. So, for example, this weekend... Um, and you have to keep the order of the of the schedules. Do you get me? So uh, you have to play the games in sequence as they correct, were. Correct. That's right. the, that's the right English for that. Um, so it's um, Montpellier, Toulon this weekend. Then it's Toulon, La Rochelle the following weekend, and on Sunday night it is uh, Clermont, um, Bordeaux, and um, there's another game the following. One more game to make it up. So everyone then has played. I think. Uh, 20 games, six games to go on. It's probably nine teams within seven points. So it's carnage. I mean, it is carnage, but it's also exciting, right? Yeah, it's, it's incredibly exciting. It, because there's different ways of going about it, too, because with the history of the Bookley and trying to be competitive and to win it, it's nearly takes off once you get to the phase finale, as they say, the barrage. Um, and. Um, you probably need a, a lot of juice in the tank at that stage, but you got to make sure you're in the top six. Um, last year was probably different because it was, I put a big emphasis probably on, you know I mean, uh, finishing first or second, which we did, which was brilliant because you go straight to semi-final, which means you're 80 from a final. But we were really good in the semi-final and then within 10 minutes of the final. Uh, you knew against Toulouse that they mentally, physically had a, had it an advantage on us they've, I was just reading they've 10 in the French squad this weekend so similar to Leinster I suppose and how they supply the bulk of the team to the French team uh, but you're obviously constantly plotting in your head how how you can go about putting this uh, so-called masterpiece in place yeah and so that's that's always there for the short term but I presume a lot of agents are ringing you and saying my guy's free at the end of the year he wants to come is that is that always happening does that happen 12 months a year or is there a period of the year where that ramps up <coughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting question usually with a little bit of experience now getting a bit wiser that's not a call you want right. because y- you have to have a a good system a good plan uh, a, a really I suppose uh, you know the strengths the weaknesses SWOT analysis nearly when it comes to um, your recruitment and it's something that's hugely hugely important you can keep telling yourself you're a great coach but I think as we all know um, there's certain cattle that are better than other cattle <laughs> in, in, in the field yeah. and uh, I think a good example of that would be Will Skelton there's very few uh, I suppose players, athletes of that um, 
not capabilities but of that um, measurements available in the market so like it just helps when you when you kind of how, how do you convince him that it's the right thing to leave Saracens to come to play and I think that was that was a big uh, I suppose plus for me in the fact that uh, he wanted something different he wanted to be try something else but the coaching has to be good but you once you get that you have um, we've done good recruitment for next season that's next season Ger. it doesn't count you know people yeah. are there well you know we, we'll have a good plan but like four you, months you, in sport is so long so it's only getting exciting now my field season feels that it hasn't even started but if you don't do the recruitment well now then next season could be or not a write off but it'll, you know you, you're behind the eight ball straight away and I'm always struck by the fact that these are different jobs the recruitment job and the coaching job like in football Traditionally, the, the soccer manager would have bought his players for his style of play, but now clubs realise that actually it's a very difficult thing to know all the best talent in all of the leagues around Europe. And so, like, do you get help with that? Is there somebody else that you can lean on? Is there a... Is there a yeah, I think it's a really fast change in space since one of the meetings I'm going to have today. There's a, a few people in Dublin that are very, very good at this in terms of, I suppose... Um, Analysing the data and making sense of the data from schools, players from South Africa, Australia, England, France, all around the world to uh, first, second, third division players all over the world and uh, understanding uh, who's performing and having actually a system that a coach can kind of um, respect, understand and put that into the kind of uh, the big pot to give you the data to say yeah this guy will go well here or this guy under the high ball for example is very very strong this guy in his right shoulder isn't capable of making tackles one on one all stuff like that that uh, when you're playing week to week you get churned out Mm. by, by next game next game next game but then in the background there's some really smart brains that are are, are are providing information like that and something now that um, you know I think as a player I was probably reluctant to it I was big in the GPS and the competition within the players and in the team but I think as in, in the in the management in the background you have to be aware of this but I mean I think I remember years back maybe was it Wales and Six Nations games were changing players because of of um, you mean drop off in in, in intensity or in in meters per second uh, later in the game, which I don't think that's probably the best way of doing it either. In the fact that you kind of have to understand the flow of a game, and yeah. sometimes there's way more action on the right hand side than there is on the left hand side. If your plan is to hit midfield and either sweep or to play the same way, so you've one back row maybe that's not involved at all, but. He essentially is doing a lot of benefit for the team by holding his weight that people are attracted to him. But yeah. uh, the data, yeah, is is it's it's a it's a, a fascinating space. But I think it's the same, I suppose, as putting in robots is it into into factories and stuff. You need a human element. Yeah, to totally. It. And is rugby kind of catching up on other sports a little bit with that stuff? Like, um, is there a world where in five years' time every individual club has somebody whose job it is to make sure that they have the best data for the, the players I'm talking about? So at the moment, if, you, if you're a football manager in the League of Ireland, you can sign up to Scout and you get information on every single footballer in, who's registered. And, and wow. you, can, you can track uh, kids all around the world in almost all their games and give analysis on their, the quality of their performance. It doesn't seem like we're at that point yet. With no, rugby. I'd say we're very close. I think... Um 
um, that will be happening, I'd say, within the next, you mean, 12 months, I right. think. There's, there's uh, I think, um, yeah, there's a guy, Derek McNamara, I think his name is, and uh, incredibly uh, interesting. And I think he was involved in an American company, but I think he's gone back on his own now so he can keep more control of it. Right. And, uh, and uh, I think, you mean, it's... Some of his ideas or, or some of his potential suggestions and just make you stop and go, okay, there is something here definitely. Because as you say, you, you like where where you could get an S-bar, for example, to come in to a French club under the age of uh, 20, he just has to play three years and then he becomes GIF. Like people don't understand that. Even a lot of Irish, young Irish players here, if they can get that license or that uh, qualification for three years they're made do you have it for life like yeah exactly. okay so you so can you go and come back and come back exactly that's the strength of the french game okay right is, uh well exactly so if you're a good 19 year old who hasn't quite made the first team here you could go to france and play three years or do you need to be 17 to go um no 18 i think okay see they all call it by before 2000 none of that that, that doesn't register in my brain when they talk about <laughs> 2000, 2001 he's 2003 you're like yeah. what age is that <laughs> um, but, but also more interestingly from and it's something that hasn't been probably uh, talked about enough if, if you're uh, a southern hemisphere front row for example and you did three years from 18 to 22 and in an academy in France yeah and then you want to go and chase the All Black dream. You can do that, but come back at the end and be you'd have your you would have your GIF qualification, nice. which all of a sudden gives you a really really good living. Yeah, and then you have the best of both worlds. Maybe yeah, that's interesting because we had Ross Hamilton on the show last week talking about sorry um, about the speed of the Ireland breakdown, and it's that level of data analysis where we know speed of the breakdown is very important. But he had it to like the number of seconds, and it was two point two for Ireland and we were second and he was like this had happened now so consistency over a long period of time it is something that they've clearly focused on in the Ireland camp and it's that bit that the data becomes transferable to us and as as lay people when we're watching the game so it actually improves and enhances the quality of spectating correct but also I think that's a, a perfect example of understanding probably the data and the coaching mixed in one so if it's something that I'm Absorbing as well because they're they're, they're of the same school, uh, Dunnick Ryan, Paul O'Connell. So they would be huge um, fans, uh, students of that area of the game, and understanding how you can speed it up and what slows it down. So they actually, you mean getting the the speed of the ruck ball? They actually want the players to get to the ruck before it's even happened so that there doesn't become a ruck and you're like oh, well how actually does that happen but if I had a video here I'd be able to explain it to you and it's really really powerful how 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 it works and I think it's it's, it's an area of the game where um, you mean on the flip side of that we have someone in our staff that would be very much intent on messing up um, the opposition's ruck ball so they, they're all part of the same thing though aren't they it's like if, if we slow theirs down to three and a half seconds then all of a sudden our defence is fully set and they're not going to be able to get yeah, it yeah and in rugby it's the first two phases or first two collisions that that are very important so 
if you don't stop Robbie Hinch or Bundy Aki and then you've you know what I mean uh, James Ryan or Josh van der Fleer on a good line coming around the corner on, on phase two all of a sudden they're on the front foot the, yeah. the opposition are retreating it just makes it very very easy but for example if you get a good shot on the gain line in first phase and you have an, like an inside threat on the ball and an outside threat potentially going to to slow that down or look for penalty because diving off the feet will be a penalty so there's a, there's there's so many games within the game around the ruck at the, at the minute but yeah I think it's a hot topic but the ruck has always been very very um, important for the last 20 years there's probably a lot more detail available now for, in terms of data yes yeah. um, he was speculating that what Ireland had done was focused on this obviously and it sounds like that's true and then have have kind of they're playing a relatively high risk game where they're not committing huge numbers so the idea is to get the rook in get out of it fast keep the ball moving and don't commit a huge amount so if you do get turned over the three or four times in the game that you get turned over you're willing to take that punch each time on the basis that the speed of your rook is so impressive over the 70 or 80 or 90 rooks that there are that on balance it's much better to be yeah and I think you know, I think um, that was Josh Schmidt's greatest strength, I think, in the fact that that's how he coached. But what we're seeing now was probably then the evolution of that and the fact that I think Joe was so, I suppose, intent on making a rock. But in France, they don't like going to ground or they don't like rocking the jeu de boue. You know, they try and keep the ball alive and play it out of the tackle. So you can see all the Toulouse players, they'll... They, they will probably at their last option would be to fall while in Ireland for a time uh, when we were so ruck focused the easiest thing was to fall to create a ruck knowing that your two nearest supporters would be there otherwise it wouldn't be the ball carriers fall now I think we've had an understanding that the ball carrier is hugely important that he has to you know what I mean fight to try and win his one on one in front of him and then you either play the ball uh, out of the tackle or if you need to rock we can rock but there's probably that obsession with the rock is gone but I mean for 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 so many years it was so, it, it was so good for Ireland but then it just became stale and the fact that the, the tr- opposition I think became aware that there isn't going to be this kind of capacity to, to, to play instinctively and, and that became probably the downfall but I think from a you mean a young coach you have to admire uh, and the success Joe had in that regard now it's coached by Paul who is a massive fan of Joe Schmidt but like what's coming in then is that you, you, as you correctly said there's there's more risk taking there's more capacity to play the moment in front of you to, as you say to see what picture the opposition are giving you and there's not this probably uh, negative arms up in the air approach if there's an error so it's kind of we dig in for each other yeah and, and the did that change happen as quickly as it seemed to us? Like, uh, inside the game, did you see that alteration in how the game should be played coming all along? Because to us it was like, end of 2018, this is working, start of 2019, this is not working. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think that's, that's what happens at, at top-level sport. When it stops, you fall off a cliff, you look at, I suppose... Um, you mean going to the World Cup and the performances at the World Cup? It was it was kind of it looked um, that it just wasn't happening on. And when you're living that and you're in that, it reminds me of probably the 2007 World Cup. It's horrendous. 
you feel you so so want to change and you do everything to change and you work so hard during the week to change it but you're 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 nearly power powerless to, to do anything about it because you're eating eaten up alive inside by by not being able to do it I just want to tell everybody what's coming up between now and uh, 10 o'clock this morning. OTBAM brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. We've obviously got Ron Nagar with us in the studio for a little while longer. Newspapers coming up at 5 past 8. Martin Lipton at 20 past 8. Sports News at 8.40. Uh, the very latest from the Hurling Pod with Will at 8.50. And Colin Boyle's going to join us at 10 past 9 to talk to us about what's happening this weekend. And Philly McMahon uh, is also going to uh, talk to us around about half 9 this morning. Um, can I ask you about Sexton and the new the new deal? And um, you know, Brian just was sitting where you were sitting during the week, and he was making the point that now modern athletes are going on to their forties. And the Tom Brady example is the one I think that Stuart Lancaster had made to Sexton after the last World Cup to kind of you know say this that this isn't the end. This you know you can keep going, and he is he's obviously still going. He's still very effective. Um, it sounds like a lot of Irish rugby fans are penciling him in now that's our out half problem for the World Cup solved yeah it would be and uh, for it was a most logical step during the week because of the way he's playing so I think there's probably the separation between that's what happened during the week was a contractual issue in the fact that uh, if Johnny uh you know what I mean? has the appetite and wants to play it to the next World Cup that path is very clear for him to go chase that I think in reality it isn't uh, a straightforward in the fact when you get to to his age uh, it becomes difficult not to say it can't be done but uh, I think he's um, he's he's in a position with his performances this season where uh, the team needs him and and as long as that is the case then then he will drive drive on what is very different though is NFL to rugby union rugby union is a phase game where you have to play close to the gain line and you don't have protection what also happens is that when you go to big competitions you have probably you know I mean five or six games within a six week period where it's it's very difficult probably to uh to um to play week in week out at that age because it, I think what, what what people sometimes miss is the fact that when you're such a competitor and your team are are, are trying to win a qualifying semi-final of, of big competitions training is hugely important so people miss the point that you have to train hard to get the best out of you and the team and that's where I suppose the growth in the team comes between now and the next World Cup and, and as you saw uh, he was excellent against uh, Wales but uh, Monday or Tuesday after that after a big game on the Saturday went hard and probably a tweak in his hamstring that happens at that age and, and that's something that I think that the public have to expect uh, from I suppose if you were in the Irish management team it would be interesting to see um, how they're going to manage the, the number two and number three because I think it would be um, you mean uh, probably an overestimation if you're counting on him for every game but that, 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 at that, for me at that age it's not possible I think he's an incredible competitor and a massive willingness to 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 get Ireland to a semi-final which is always going to be in a player's thing but like the you mean Andy Farrell will have to have have that plan where at the minute the number two is underplayed under probably prepared and undercooked for for 
uh, Johnny to miss a period of three or four games. Uh, what I think you're looking for there is that you're looking to upskill uh, Joey with game time. Uh, is it Harry Byrne after that with game time? We don't know. McCarthy, yeah, you know, but it's and there's not many games to find out. There's the and the games are uh, big games. You look at the calendar ahead. It's England, Scotland, New Zealand, New Zealand, New Zealand. I think maybe America is it South Africa, Australia. Brilliant games. Uh, so it's it's. What would you do? <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't you love to have that that choice? But it's it's. Um, there's a huge, obviously, skill in, in, in keeping. Uh, Johnny Simran and on the ball but like the reality is for me that you have to get as much minutes into whoever you're, you're because if Johnny starts every game the reality is I think if, you, if he plays 50 or 60 it's fantastic or does he finish the last 30 which would you prefer because it sounds it sounds like uh, we, we're actually asking him too much to be our starting out half for a tournament like the World Cup like the point you made about the injuries, Jamie Vardy was out for two months with a hamstring injury. Comes back, injures his knee, he's gone for another month. And Vardy's eighteen months younger than Sexton is. Like players at that age get injuries yeah. all the time. Yeah, exactly. And and that's because they're because if they don't push hard in training, they won't get to where they because they're fighting for their time at that stage, and they need to train well to give them that confidence to know. Uh, I can do this and and age is just a number but it's not just a number at times because your body uh, so do we transition quickly in the meantime let's let's park the World Cup right and see whoever whoever is the best out half at the World Cup and whoever is fit at the time you pick them for those games but should we actually be getting to the situation where we're starting Carberry and Sexton's on the bench for games sooner rather than later like certainly in the summer but maybe before that yeah but I think there's been such a huge focus on these um, six nations that um, it seems to me that they're going to probably go strongest team against England which includes Sexton I would say there'd be potential to change that against Scotland is how I read it as a, with, as a complete outsider that, that would be my thinking on it then I think the summer tour gives you a different um Give you gives you different options, but but as you say, it's it's uh, you need to be kind of understanding who who the number two is too, because it's yeah, it's only uh, not only, but it's only in the fact that you're trying to grow the the younger guys' games, and and that fifteen months is is very important to them. While that will seem short, but while it, for someone like Johnny, will eighteen or fifteen months is a long, long time because it's. Um, at that age, it's just it, it, it's it's a not a difficult, but it's a challenging role to to put yourself in the best physical position. You, you said there that there's obviously not enough time to find out how good your number two is or to road test your number two in, in test rugby. Is that actually why Joey Carberry disappointed a few people with his performance the last day because he hasn't been given that opportunity and that is the exact sort of growing pain that is going to need to be experienced in order to to get closer to Johnny Sexton. Yeah, because he's played very little rugby too over the last two years from from an injury point of view. He's uh, anything that's kind of um, if you look at his list of injuries, it, it was quite a, a lengthy list. Uh, so whether he's playing 
you mean I don't uh, with the I suppose fractured nation of the season too with the URC competition he's not you mean in that position he needs to be playing 80 minutes 10 times in a row but I'd say if you look at his minutes it's way off that mm. yeah. and I'm only stabbing here now and I'm not that may not be accurate but I think um so, you know what I mean especially as an old half you just get better and better and better by owning that position and and, and getting comfortable in, in that jersey but like that obviously you mean the dictates but you mean the, 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 the union run the provinces and the fact that um, you mean it could be Okay, we need Joey playing at ten every game. He's available because that will make the, the the national team in a better position. And if they're thinking right now that Sexton is going to be their number one out half at the World Cup, does it not then make sense to give him this summer off? Because is he going to be able to play all throughout this summer, all throughout this autumn, and for Leinster, and then of course pre-season or pre-World Cup um, test matches next summer? Like there's going to have to be some bit of give you suspect for a player of his age at that point. So. You, you pull Sexton out of one of those windows, surely, do you? And you can't, be, you can't pull him out of the Six Nations next year. No, you can't, exactly. Um, but that's managing your players and knowing what buttons to push and how do you get the best out of them. And it's probably not a one-way conversation. I think you have to feedback too from uh, how the athlete is feeling and, 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 and how does he view things. Uh, I think, as you say, though, it's the, it's the management who decide this and, and probably make the formula for, for being successful at a World Cup uh, if you were the player and I remember back and you're being told I'm not throwing to, to New Zealand when there's a possibility of, of making history it's a, it's, it's a, it's a very very difficult uh, decision to swallow on mm. but the, the players don't decide you know I mean that's the big difference that, you, that when you when you go to the other side you understand that the player's mentality is kind of a, a one lens view while you, from a staff's point of view, you have everything kind of discussed and uh, probably chatted through. Where does a player change your mind ever after you think you've made your mind up? Um, no, I don't. I, I don't. I, the, for me, that would be that you are. Um, you weren't probably decisive in your own thoughts before you had the meeting. Uh, I think what a, a player can do is most definitely make you aware of his point of view and potentially have a new point of view that you may not have thought about but uh, you mean for example I think when it's you mean uh, lately you've kind of for me learning you know you, you fitness test a player before a game and yeah I'm fine coach I'm perfect <laughs> <laughs> so I did two <laughs> one guy blew up after one minute twenty and and the other guy uh, the other guy was past it was okay and looked me in the eye and said fine but then five hours later he went on the pitch and he was dead right. so like that for me was, was a good learning the fact that yeah okay he's, he, he, he won the fitness test but he failed the game what did I need him for the game yeah but it's it's hard at times to but that's where you need to be not popular uh, to kind of go well no sorry what's best for the team today is you're out get yourself ready for Monday and you'll have another go I, I, one last thing that I wanted to kind of just tease out um, the the evolution of, of the style of play we've talked a little bit about how do we make sure that it continues to get better between now and the World Cup and that we're not peaking now basically uh, the, the PTSD uh, 
and the trauma of the last World Cup hangs heavy over Irish rugby. Like yeah, we we, we, we are. It's all forgotten about now, and the fact that we're on a probably on a spurt in the curve. Yeah, a year out, like we were the last time. Yeah, even more, even eighteen months out. Hmm. Yeah, and that would be. Um, How do you keep the spurt going? I suppose is the question. I I I, I think you just. You, you stay in the moment and I think you make short term kind of growth very very important and creating competition within the squad for for example you, you, you know when you look at um, I suppose the way the, the squad have moved on from um, um, oh, injury to um, the loose head at uh, and Andrew, Andrew Porter. Porter geez how could I ever forget that what a player Andrew Porter you know who for me is is just so valuable to any team he's playing great rugby but it was just okay uh, 40 minutes kind of that's dealt with we're on it's an opportunity for someone else mm. uh, they have I suppose genuine competition in so many places uh, that that's what you're looking for and once that's once you've established that um uh, it makes it very competitive, but it's still, uh, you know, independent on on Johnny being in form. Because if you take that out, it's Carberry on form, which is like it's not the same team. It's like, you I mean for for me, I think, and yeah, Eddie Jones gets um, gets a rap from certain people, but I think his preparation for World Cups is fascinating, and the fact that he's so well taught. Uh, through of what he wants to achieve at World Cup time and that's he goes okay judge me on that and I think he's won one I think and been in three other finals uh, so I think he knows what he's doing and for him this weekend he's going to see no Farrell no uh, Tuolagi and uh, two of the Vinopolas missing and he, I think he's interested to see where his team is Knowing that when he has them, England could potentially be thirty, thirty-five percent better. Yeah, because they're big pieces of anyone's jigsaw with the size of the two men. The English media are like saying, "Oh, two games to save his his job." I'm like, that makes no sense. He's in the middle of like churning through all these players and going, "Yeah, you you can be part of my team. You can't be. You've you know you haven't shown up. You're not good enough." Like that's. Uh, obviously, they haven't won the Six Nations. And not, if exactly, so likely they will. And it's. Yeah, but it's after the first game. It was kind of like, okay, yeah, let's build for the World Cup. Yeah, and yeah. but I think you mean there's so many people, I suppose, that are. Um, you mean if you always do what you always did, you always get what you always got. But like, well, he's kind of plucked Anthony Seaball, is it the the Brisbane Broncos coach who had a horrible season as the general manager in NRL and was on on the floor, and now he's in as his. Um, a defence coach in England because I think he understands that maybe I can get one, two, three percent of, of just probably alternative thinking from this guy because he's probably he understands they have limited time to probably get the ideas across but it's probably maybe his value is in, is in meetings and in kind of for me the NRL is, is, is six months ahead of rugby union so everything you see in right. terms of of uh, it's kind of annoying, is it? I look at those guys. Yeah, but you see now, you 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 watch that. It's it's a fantastic competition. But you watch the phase players that happen in Union. Most of those ideas are plucked from right from the NRL, and and uh, 
you mean these kind of playing out the back and the pods and and and, and stuff it's it, because obviously it's so much easier to set it up and create in in, in rugby league because there's no rock yeah so you just get a, a line against a line attack so you kind of have to be and smart in how you structure your atten- uh, defense and attack and they have good skill levels but it's it's uh, yeah there's so, there's so many i suppose um subplots for the weekend uh, living in France, do you have a, a, a different sense of the French media? Are you are you reading everything? Or are you actually is it okay to ignore it? Because this is in the context: Paris Saint Germain beaten last night from a very winnable position, two 0 up against Real Madrid, and they lose three two. Um, you were probably travelling and didn't see the game, but the the L'Equipe, uh player ratings are fairly typical. L'Equipe. Um so it's a two for Donnarumma, three for Kempembe, two for Marquinhos. After that, things get a bit better. Apart from Neymar, who gets a four, and Hakimi gets a four. There's uh, five, seven for Mbappe and Verratti, six for Messi. Jeez, I was expecting to be a lot lower considering the French sure, media. So I think um, <laughs> these are generous for Lake Keeper, aren't they? Yeah, especially I suppose. Um, you mean considering? It's not the first time we've been here with, with Paris Saint Germain. No, and and they're uh, they're hugely disappointed. Obviously, yeah. There's um, massive, massive interest in that game last night. Incredible, in the fact that. But I think, um, yeah, I mean, there's something missing there. Obviously, I mean, is there any chance that the rugby team could end up being as flaky as uh, Paris Saint Germain? And that would be great for the rest of the world, wouldn't it? <laughs> don't think so though there seems for the first time not the first time but in a long time it feels like there's a there's a very solid base yeah. to the French uh, rugby uh, uh, network group team management they're they are very united it seems and that's not just the first 30 that seems to be um, what they have there is that they want they, you mean all the players that are club players now want to play yeah. for France which wasn't the case it was before it was earning a good living and if f- I get to play for France it's a bonus yeah are the French rugby media the same as they keep or the player ratings tend to be twos and threes a I, don't, I haven't seen many of the of the, of the uh, ratings I think what's what's good over there is the fact that they they um, they write the question and then exactly as the player or coach says. Okay, yeah. So it's very much in context. Yeah, because uh, I, I read somewhere in the papers today, it was a question about uh, um, something and something is being ridiculous. And Eddie Howe answered the question, but was he actually asked, was it ridiculous or was that the view of the person? Whereas actually, if you see the question, there's an opportunity yeah, for you to make your mind up. it's very, very different. Yeah. And it's very, very accurate. And... So you can't complain if you say something stupid, basically. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's there in black and white. <laughs> it's just, that's on me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's... Uh, no, but there's huge... Huge... Um, huge interest in, in, in the rugby team as well. Uh, so now with that... Yeah, there'll be negative day or two around Paris Saint-Germain, but there'll be... Man, well, it's tomorrow night, the big game in Cardiff. And they've had, a, I think... A lot of illness in camp this week. Uh, not co- well. There's two COVID cases, but I think th- there's a lot of uh, flu in France. Right, seems to be swirling around, and I think um, Aldred was off early in the week. Fiku was off, so I mean, I think um, they. I think um, 
they'll be too powerful and too good for for Wales I think uh, but you still want to be making sure you're near 100% for that game Give us your prediction for the England game It's a game I think that all of a sudden from the outside you're looking at that Ireland are favourites and I think that's very very dangerous in the fact that England and Twickenham are, are, are very different they're very usually um, very very good in Twickenham it's it's I think um, Ireland need to be um, on top of their game to to come away with a victory Um, but there's no reason why they can't be there seems to be um, I suppose um, since the French game you watch that again Ireland were inaccurate in certain areas left opportunities out there didn't probably put France under the pressure that they needed especially in the first 40 then kind of played their game and were good uh, Tyg Furlong I think is is exceptional what he can bring to a team not in the scrum or in close quarters his capacity to be able to kind of release backs with the timing of a pass is exquisite and very few players backs included can do what he can do um, so it makes for you know, a, a 50-50 game for me, Ger. I, th- I think, uh, yeah, Ireland are probably more confident. England are very much in the unknown. Um, I think that's probably, if you're Marcus Smith, I think that's probably an advantage for him. He'll just play. He, he For me, he looks ready to have a massive impact on the world stage uh, and makes it very exciting. The looking at the English team it's for the first time I think in a long time I, I don't have very good knowledge of the individual players in, in their team so I'm still kind of trying to understand who's going to play and and uh, why is he the winger or why is he 15 and why is he 9 uh, but it's a, it's a fascinating game but I think uh, for me it's dif- it's very very difficult to call yeah okay alright Great to have you with us. Cheers. Right about this time last year, you were going shopping around in the Munster for an out half. Is there anything that you want to tell us? Any, any, <laughs> any of those recruitment bits you want to just. No, no, no. He turned me down. So. <laughs> um, no, there's. there's um, at this stage, what are we? It's, no, it's business done. Anything you want to tell us about that hasn't broken yet? No. Okay. 